What's good, fam? Thanks for joining me, your host, Corey Cabri, on the Living Life on Purpose podcast, where we discuss various topics on how to apply God's principles to your everyday life. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. All right. So we are continuing on in effective ministry with love in a marriage, love in a marriage. And there's some interesting text today. We've got some interesting text. Um, I guess to start out, I know somebody brought this out. I believe Michelle brought it out when she spoke. Um, but if if nobody knew this before, we definitely recording it, so it'll be put out there today. Uh, marriage is a ministry. It's a ministry. Um, it is in a relationship period. It's it's a ministry. It's it's a joining of two people, uh, whether they be uh, same sex or opposite sex. And I'm not speaking of a homosexual relationship. I'm speaking of two people uh, that interact with each other. And it's uh, it's a ministry, right? Like you can't minister to people or with people or in unison with people, right? Without being in a relationship with them, right? Uh, even a pastoral, congregational, that's still a relationship, right? There's some form of a bond, some form of a trust being created when you go to this uh, this congregation, this, this house of worship, as some people call it, or service, or what have you. There is an interaction. You, you have a bond. Whether you know him or not, or her or not, there's still a bond created. You have some trust. You feel some type of a tie in between you and this person that is up administering some type of a truth to you, uh, whether it's, as we like to say, it convenient for how you want to live or not. It's still um, still predicated upon a relationship that you guys have built, whether that's directly or indirectly. It's a relationship. And relationships, there's ministry. You're ministering one unto another. And as we know what ministry is, it is service, right? You're serving one another in some form of a capacity, uh, I know you like Howard congregation serving their pastor. Well, in a lot of light, uh, in a lot of light, and I could go into some depths. But then, but one thing is you're giving him an opportunity to serve you. One, two, you're helping him become better at being a server. <laughs> so in the some, and then it's like, wow, how am I serving him in that capacity? Well, because a lot of a lot of your complaints and how you go to him for his services, he's in need of that to be more of a server to you. So you're helping him in a lot of light, more than he may realize or more than you may see. But but that, that relationship, it is, it is, it, it, it's basically needed for that person to be good at what he's doing, that pastor. And I know a lot of pastors have pastors that they go to for, and I know I'm prolonging this, but I have to, to get into where we're going with it. Um, Pastor, they may have somebody over them constantly teaching them how to speak, but when it comes to serving, you can't really, that pastor, when it comes to a unique individual, can't help you serve that individual. That individual has to help that pastor serve him. It's like being a counselor in some sense. I can, I can't, I got to get with you to figure out what your problem is to help you help you. And in some cases, the person is being counseled. It's like, well, let me help you help me. Sometimes that actually has to be vocalized because sometimes you're thinking you're counseling one person the way you counseled another person and it ain't, ain't going to work. It's just not going to work. All right. I'll belabor that point. So beyond that, relationships to our ministry. Marriage is a ministry. And reading in one John, I don't know how many people read 
but it doesn't matter because we're going to read it again. Um, uh, one John takes on a, 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 a <laughs> I love it. It's a beautiful picture that it paints, that John paints, uh, the writer of this book, um, about when it comes to marital relationships, not, not, not necessarily uh, in the forefront or directly again. It's indirectly. And, and I'm going to jump into it. I'm going to start reading it. Uh, yeah, let's just jump into it. 1 John 4, uh, 16, and it says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. Be perfect. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. All right. I'm going to go bottom. And then if we make it back up to the top, good. If we don't, it's okay. Because we're going to cover this over some weeks to come. But starting at the bottom, what did he just say? He just said, and he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now, throughout the church, right, as us as believers, what do we call one another? Brother, sister. sister. Right? <laughs> right? And what did he just say? He told us to do what to do? No. Love them, right? Okay, so now, bam. Let's start right there. That's the beginning of what? Any type of heterosexual relationship. You're my brother. You're my sister. And I got to love you as such. And how are we to love? That, that, that's not rhetorical. How are we to love one another? Well, he talked about it in the text, right? Nobody heard it? Oh, okay. That's fine. I'll go back and read it. He said, in this world, we are like Jesus. Right. Right? That's verse 17. In this world, we are like Jesus. So we are to love our brothers and sisters just like Jesus loved us. What does that sound like? That sound like, that sound like Ephesians, right? Yeah. Right? Doesn't that sound just like that? But 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 here it is. And a lot of a lot of times we we like to say that there isn't a command for us to love uh, each other. This is the only men was given that command to love their wives, right? That's what we say, right? But that's that's erroneous. That is not true. As we have just read, we are to love one another, our brothers and our sisters. Who who whom whom whom. That's how you start out. You start out as brother and sister. Now, I know we don't really start out like that. Not, not, not in the natural sense, right? That's not how we start out. You know what I'm saying? We ain't treating somebody we like like our brother and our sister. We're not. Even, even in the spiritual realm, that's not how we treat them. No. Mm -mm. No, we're not. We treat them like we want them in a marital sense, right? And that's how we're looking at them, right? But, but, but notice something when it comes to love. If, if we were to Say we were to 
treat them like our brother or our sister? How do you treat? And I'm not saying your, I'm not saying how you interact with your real life brother, but but from a theoretical standpoint, when you look at your brother or your sister, what are they? They're a family, right? They're family, and. And in the sense of family, what when you see family, what is the first thing that comes to you? This is not a rhetorical question. When you see family, what what like what does that mean to you? And you know, an example. What does that mean? This that's my brother. That's my sister. Because not 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 your brother or your sister. But when you say that, what does that mean? Okay, nobody wants to talk. All right, so me, I'll start. <laughs> Lead by example, right? So when I see, when I say my brother or my sister, I'm saying somebody that is in my fold or in my protective realm. I'm they're in the realm of me protecting them. And what does that mean? Protecting them. It doesn't necessarily mean like if somebody wanted to fight them, I would beat them up for them. No, not. That's not particularly what it means. It means that I have a concern for this person, right? And I'm going to look out for their well-being. If they are in the, the if they are in the company of me, or if they are not in the company of me, that that is my brother. That is my sister. I have a natural concern for them. So, meaning, meaning, if I'm concerned for them, there are things that I'm going to do for them to help keep them out of harm's way. That's that's what that means to me. So, so, so then when it comes to a biological brother, it's the same. It's the same thing. My biological brother, I want to make sure I'm doing things for them, for him, or my biological sister for her to keep them out of harm's way. Me personally doing things, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to choose to do the things that I'm doing. No. But this is just me doing it. And then give you some examples. What does that mean? Well, if I see my brother or sister doing things that I see will particularly harm them, that will harm them, then I will acknowledge things in that manner. I would say, I would say, you know, this will harm you if you do this. I will say, if you don't choose to do this, this may occur, such as if you don't go to school and get your lesson, you're going to fail, and you're going to end up not graduating from school, right? And if you don't graduate from school, then it will be difficult for you to get a job, right? And so, so this is a natural concern, and then when I see the concern, then I offer the aid, the help, the protection, the protection from what? From them having a life that will be difficult, right? That, that, that is me sheltering them in the light, not like putting them in my house, but sheltering them in the light of protection. Now, let's go back. Is that not what Jesus did when he walked on the earth? There were things, right? There were things that came up. You know what I'm saying? That came up that God was Jesus being God, but Jesus knowing God's truth, saying to people, people would say certain things to him, particularly the Pharisees, would bring up some claims or accusations or some judgments or some truths that they thought were true that weren't particularly a truth, but partial truth, and they would vocalize that to Jesus. And Jesus would say, no, not so. But this is the way God is wanting it to go. I'll give you a particular example, one just just random, coming to my mind as we speak, was one that the Pharisees questioned his disciples not washing their hands. And Jesus began to say, what goes into the man doesn't defile the man. Because it goes in and then it goes out. But what comes out of the man's heart is what defiles the man. 
So then in that, in that, he gave them a lesson. He gave them a lesson. Whether they got it or not, I don't know. But the lesson was this. You should be careful to wash what is wash, not watch, but wash what is coming out of you versus what is going into you. You should wash the things that are coming out of you. So, 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 if I'm washing what is coming out of me, then I'm paying more attention to the inner me than the outer me. Does that make sense? Jesus is protecting them, whether they knew it or not, but that was offering protection to them because he's concerned about their well-being. He's concerned about where they are going. And then I, this, what I will proclaim to you, this is love. This is love. And this is the love that Jesus is saying in, in John is, has written that we are to be distributing to our brothers and our sisters. Whom, whom, whom? Whom we call brother and sister, whether that be biological or that be spiritual in nature. It doesn't matter. This is the love, this, this love that is protecting them, protecting their well-being in, in, the right that I can, in the right that I can offer the protection, right? And notice this. It's just you offering it. It doesn't matter what they do with it. Just you offering it. Because that's all Jesus did. He offered it. He told it to them. He didn't go and beat them over the head and say, now you better do it. But that ain't love. <laughs> you can't make anybody do to make anybody choose what you're telling them to choose. God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He told them not to. But he didn't put barriers in between them to stop them. That's not love. It's like, well, well, but how is it not? Well, because I'm still not going to take away your choice. You have a choice. And I love you enough to allow you to make the mistake or not. But I'm not going to take away my love from offering you some type of way to avoid making the mistake, which was don't eat it. <laughs> Simple enough. Don't eat it. Wash the inner you. It is not what defiles a man that goes into the man. It is what comes out of the man. And that was all he said. That was it. It was done. It was done. Then he went on to even proclaim some more stuff to his disciples. He said, be careful. Be careful to his disciples. Uh, not to follow into the leaven, but basically the, the, the teachings of the Pharisees. That, that, that he said, well, in, in, in actuality, he said some of their teachings are good, but it's some of but their ways. Be careful not to be uh, inept, or, 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 or be careful not to fall into the mindset that they have when it comes to how they live. Be careful not to, because 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 see, they they like to proclaim they are something, but then they live. A totally different way. This is what he was telling his disciples. Meaning, meaning, meaning. I don't want you to say you're something and then live a totally different way. I want you to live the way that I'm proclaiming or telling you you should live. That's how you should live. Don't say and not do. Say and do. Right? And, and this is Jesus. What? Offering protection for his disciples. And that, that is love. That is love. Right. That is love. It wasn't Jesus wasn't going to try to force them to do anything. Right. So. So let me reel it all in. Let's bring it to the marriage. So how what does that have to do with a marriage? Well, if you start out as brother and sister and you love them as a brother or a sister. Right. And you are having this protection. You, you are offering this protection. This protection is merely some sense of truth to help them. Live as a better person. 
right, right, or protecting them from walking in some sense of destruction that may be up ahead, right? And and your mindset in that, within that, it's always I'm always looking out for you. <laughs> like says, I'm always looking out for you. All right, now let's bring it back. If if I'm wanting to be in a marital relationship with you, then I'm going to be looking out for you. This is pre pre-marriage, I'm going to be looking out for you in what light? That means I'm not going to put you in a situation to where you're going to sin, right? I'm just not going to do it. Why? Because I love you. That means I'm not going to give my body to you because I love you. That will put you in a position where you would sin. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tempt you with my body. I'm just not. But why? Because I love you. And that would lead to a destructive Relationship is this making sense? That would lead to a destruction. So, 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 so. I do love you, and yes, I would love to be in that position with you. But because I love you, and I love myself, I'm not going to put either one of us in that position. All right, now say you're married. Now you're married, and things come about, right? Things have now come about, and there are disagreements that the two of you may have. Here again, it's that same love. What I am wanting to protect you. I am not going to do something or say something that will cause you to be disruptive, or that will cause you to stumble, or that will cause you to sin. Why? Because I love you, and I'm looking out for you. I want to protect you. I don't want you to be put in any situation that will cause you to sin. Why? Because I love you. I'm looking out for your well-being. Does this make sense? Does this make sense, right? It, it makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know, but it may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to me. Does it make sense to anybody else? No? Yes. Okay. Well, good. I'm happy to hear that, right? So, 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 when you incorporate that into your marriage, you're always focused on not, what is it? You're always focused on protecting them, right? And yourself. Because think about it. If you put them in harm's way, you are also putting yourself in harm's way, right? Because when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, when Eve ate the fruit, she put herself in harm's way. But she also put her husband in harm's way just by her eating it. Because when she ate it, he looked. I ain't saying he did this literally, but but he did see nothing happened. Well, she's fine. <laughs> I guess if I do it, I'll be fine too. So he ate it. I ain't said he thought like that. I'm just saying, if you think about it as a person, and when your person, your spouse or whomever, does something and nothing happens, right, you, I'm going to do something back. And then guess what? You keep doing something, and you keep doing something, and you keep doing something, and you keep doing something. But what you don't see building in between the two of you is a bridge or a wall of somethings that you've done to one another. And guess what that wall does? It constantly separates you to where now it's more and more difficult to love or protect because you can't see them. All you see is the wall of issues or something that has been built in between the two of you. And every time you see them, you see the wall. That's all I see. I just see this wall. I can't see nothing else. I can't remember what you did for me two seconds ago. Even if you did do something for me, all I remember is two seconds ago that you did for me, it didn't overshadow all of the hurt that you caused towards me. It didn't. And you know what it makes you want to do? It makes you want to protect you more than it does your person. And the way you protect you is by hurting them. 
before they hurt you. I'm not going to. No, no. I'm going to make sure I get you before you get me. I'm going to get you before you get me. Then guess what? But we're not doing. We're not doing what Jesus did for us. We're falling into the steps of the Pharisees. When he told them, he said specifically, do not, do not. Some of the stuff that they teach, okay, listen, all right, process it. If it's adhering to God's truth, roll with it. If not, throw it over your shoulder. But what, what he told them specifically not to do, be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. Specifically, what they're doing, don't do that. Don't do that. Because they're hypocrites. They're proclaiming to be the voice of God. They're proclaiming to be the children of God. But then they're looking like God doesn't exist. That's what they're looking like. And God is over here saying, do not be like them. And then that's exactly what we become. We become that very generation of saying but not doing in our marriages. We're saying we're children of God. We're saying we love. Oh, I just love them so much. But all you're doing is hurting them so much. Why? And we raise our hand because I have a legitimate reason to. I have a legitimate reason to do this. Why? Because they did this to me. Because all this stuff they've done to me, i got to do it back. And love gets lost in the shuffle. And notice what he said, if we're making it back up this list. Notice what he said. If, if, if we are loving our brothers, then we're loving God. If we are loving, then God is in us and we are in God, if we are loving. So then if we are not loving our husband or wife, then does that mean that God is not in us? Or I'm going to be nice, or does it just mean we're not walking in God? We're going to stick with the latter. We're not walking in God. So what does that do? That directly insults God and shames him. Right? Even though God's still going to stand and be God all by itself. But, but, but your witness is now one of shame. Your witness is now one of a, I don't know, you know, it's, it's just annoyed in a sense. Now your ministry is becoming ineffective. Why? Because of your traditions. What tradition? The tradition of, I'm going to get you before you get me. The tradition of, you did this to me, so I'm going to do this to you. Returning evil for evil, recompensing wrong for wrong, because, because, because i got to protect myself. Little do you know, now your shields are down and you can't protect you because you're not loving. You are in a place where you're almost, you're in a, you're in a position where you're going to keep spiraling downward. And I'm not picking on the worst end of it, but just acknowledging it. Because this is what we see most common within relationships, not just marriages, but in relationships. It's, I'm going to protect myself before I protect you. But, but, but we are following God. We are here, here. What did it say? Here. We are like Jesus. We are the representation of Christ. Yahshua. We are his representation. We are his witnesses. Right? That's what we are. Right? And I know that's, that's easy to say but difficult to do. But only, only, only when you have fear. Fear. Fear of what? Fear of missing out on something. Fear, fear of of not being looked at as what you consider yourself to be. In fear. 
And it's, it's a fear, it's a pride fear, though. It's not a, it's not a fear of reverence. It's a fear, it's a pride fear. It's because I'm exalting myself above what I actually am. I don't feel like, I feel like I shouldn't be treated a certain way. But why not? Who are you? I'm a child of God. Absolutely. And God gets mocked every day. Every moment of a day. Every moment of a moment of a day. Every moment of a moment, he gets mocked. He can't even not be mocked within halfway through the moment. He's getting mocked constantly. And, and a lot of times we are, <laughs> we are guilty of him being mocked. We are the culprit. We're the very reason. Because we are proclaiming that we are his voice. We are proclaiming that we are his hands. And we're proclaiming that we are loving but then, as soon as somebody doesn't love us, then we don't love them back. But we know God loves us. We know that we are loved because he has us here strong and solid on this foundation and moving as long as we're moving in him. Right? And then let's break that down. And I'm not going to be lazy, but I just want to break that down just really simply put. Um, moving in him. What does that mean exactly? Moving in the mindset of him. Knowing that not everybody is going to receive my love. Not everybody is going to accept my protection. But I don't give it for that reason. I give it so that they can get it. Merely that. That's why God is loving us. Love isn't about getting. Love is about giving. Love is about sharing. Because that's all he does is share. He doesn't have to. He could be very selfish and say, you know, I'm going to swallow up everything that I created and I'm just going to be. And he would live harmless. And he would live without harm. There will be no more people mocking him. But guess what? The mockery isn't real. It's only real to the extent that you allow it to be real. Because if you know God is real, the mockery, it has no effect. It's like a curse word. It's a blank word. That's what I used to call them growing up. They're blank words. They mean absolutely nothing. My cousin asked me, what is that anyway? I said, really, realistically, it's nothing. It is something we use to throw at people in a lot of different ways of taking things out of context to make it mean nothing, barely, or make it what you would call vulgar, right? And, and vulgar is like, I ain't really giving you a definition of it, but vulgar would be a little bit more nasty than what it actually means. It's just nastier. It makes me look a certain way, right? For guys, when I was growing up, it made them look tough, but they weren't tough. Here again, that's the mindset of the Pharisees, proclaiming to be tough, but in actuality, you're not, right? But anyways, I ain't harping on that, right? I harping on that, but but when you think about it, when you're moving in God, when you're moving in God, you recognize that love is more real than not loving. It's more real. Why? Why? Because I may not be doing everything God wants me to do in every moment of a second, but yet he's still giving me an opportunity to. I let that resonate. He's still giving me an opportunity to. And oh, by the way, he's still showing me how to. He's still whispering, this is what I want you to do. He's still saying, there's a more excellent way. He doesn't give up on us, in other words. He never, he never does. 
He never does. And then that comes to that point in time where your expiration is near and all of those things, and then your time's up, right? And then everybody is mad because this happened, but your time was up. It was your time. It was just up. You're done. It's no point in being mad at me now, meaning God. It's no point. But I'm not here to talk about that. I'm here to talk about love. He loves us. He constantly shares. He constantly gives. He constantly wants us to do. He, he constantly wants to protect us, and he constantly protects us. He protects us from what? From us. From us harming ourselves. Making decisions that will harm ourselves. And that's really all he's asking you to do. Share a love to help people protect them from harming themselves. You love yourself to the degree that you will protect you from harming yourself. Love yourself to that extent. Meaning your choices. Making choices that will not end up harming you. It's different when somebody else harms you. But when you are harming you because of your own decisions, that's bad. That's bad. You can't control other people's decisions. You can control your own. But then in that too, if if you are choosing to love, then, hey, now they have an option or an opportunity to see love and then love you back. I'm done. Floor is yours. Anybody. That was great. That was great. I love what you were sharing about at the start of any relationship, the brother and sister, and you talked about love in a way that protects one another. Um, the one thing, though, as I heard, is you hope I get here truly from a man's point of view, but I feel like as women sometimes in trying to be that sister, we have to be very sensitive to what that looks like. And I think men do as well so that there's no gray areas, especially when I know you're talking about in the sense of moving from brother-sister on, but even thinking about the dynamic of a single person being friends with a married person and trying to show love. That might be a person of the opposite sex. And a quick example of that, I, I have a new friend that was in town from Paris, and he's married, and no one else could entertain him for the weekend. And my love wanted to show him the city, and I'm like, this man is from Paris, and he's been locked in a hotel out in the boonies. I should go get him. But fear came in. You're a single woman. You can't go pick up no man from the hotel. (laughs) So I was struggling for like a day on do I show the love of God or do I operate from this place of fear? Oh, you you can't do that. And so um, I shared, you know, my concern with other, and, you know, everybody was like, nah, you don't do that, <laughs> wise counsel. But, you know, I said, well, what can I do to show love? And I said, you know, I could get another gentleman involved. So I got another man involved <laughs> and ended up crazy. But um, ended up having that young man help me um, go get this man. But anyway, at the last minute, the person fell through, and I had to go by myself to pick the man up. And I was like, oh, God, this looks horrible, and I'm just worried about this fear. And so as soon as I arrived, man had never hugged me before, but when I got there, he hugged me and was like, thank you, Sister Michelle. And I was just like, wow, this person was just looking that somebody cared that he was stuck out there. And I was getting bound in all this fear of what this could look like to the outside world versus God knowing my heart, knowing what I'm there to do. And so um, when we met up with other people and 
everything like that was interesting, different people's tapes. But I think we need to think about that, too. I mean, definitely there are boundaries in place. And so I just was um, just so blessed. This scripture came up right after I had just been sharing it with another leader, friend of mine, and he and I were talking. I said, 1 John 4 and 18, I just said this perfect love cast out here. I said, it's my heart scripture, and it's my heart scripture. It's my heart yeah. scripture because that's a memory verse. That's where I always want to be, that perfect love. That's my weapon. Love is a weapon. We are to exercise this weapon, to cast out. But it's my heart scripture because it's so hard to deflect and to rise it up as a weapon. So it's my heart and my my heart scripture. So that's all. Uh, that's good. I appreciate you for sharing. I appreciate you for listening. Um, and uh, I just appreciate you guys. I love you all. And until next time. Well, family, I hope the discussion has encouraged you. I hope it has enlightened you. I hope it has infused you with love and truth to live a life filled with God on purpose. And if it has, join us again for more godly discussions. Thank you.